Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll and Morin. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. And we start with an executive order. This one was issued on November 18th, and it's called Non-Displacement of Qualified Workers Under Service Contracts. It's similar to an order that was rescinded by the Trump administration. Here's the basic gist of it. The executive order requires federal service contracts, meaning those covered by the Service Contract Act, and solicitations covered by the same, to include a new clause that will mandate awardees and their subcontractors of a follow-on service contract for the same or similar services, they must offer employment to quote-unquote qualified workers from the predecessor contract. The executive order, order also affords a right of first refusal to service employees working on a predecessor contract if those employees would otherwise lose their job as a result of the predecessor contract's termination or expiration and then transfer to the successor contract. Pursuant to the executive order, the outgoing contractor must furnish the contracting officer with a list of names of all service employees working under the contract and subcontracts during the last month of contract performance. The order empowers agencies to include a government preference in the solicitation in terms of location. Does it have to be performed in the same place or same localities? And it's the determination is if the agency finds that open quote, performance of work in the same locality or localities in which the contract is currently being performed is reasonably necessary to ensure economical and efficient provision of services, close quote. The order provides agencies with the ability to grant exemptions to the rule pursuant to specific limitations and empowers the Department of Labor with enforcement authority to prescribe sanctions and remedies, including suspension and debarment in instances of willful and egregious violations. Department of Labor is directed to issue regulations implementing the requirements within 180 days. So we'll be watching out for those uh, rules coming out shortly. Yuan, over to you for a couple of items. Thanks, Peter. On November 18th, the OMB and the President's Management Council released President Biden's management agenda, which includes a three-part priority framework to strengthen and empower the federal workforce, to deliver excellent federal services and improved customer experience, and to manage the business of government to build back better. Now, of particular note for contractors is the third priority area. The agenda will focus on fostering lasting improvements in the federal acquisition system to strengthen the domestic manufacturing base, support American workers, create climate solutions, and support underserved communities. It will also focus on building capacity in federal financial management and assistance to catalyze American industrial strategy, address climate change, and deliver equitable results. The OMB noted that next steps to advance the president's management agenda will be announced in the coming months, so we'll be on the lookout for those updates. Peter, back to you. Great. Now we move on to bid protests. On November 16th, GAO released its annual report on bid protests for fiscal year 21. While GAO received slightly fewer protests in FY21 than in the prior year, the overall protest effectiveness rate, and that's the percentage of cases in which the protester received relief, including voluntary corrective action or a GAO sustained, that effectiveness rate remained relatively constant at 48%. During FY21, GAO received 1,000 
1,897 cases. Let me give you the breakdown. It was 1,816 protests, 43 cost claims, and 38 requests for reconsideration. GAO also identified the most common grounds for sustained protests in the prior year. There were four. Number one, unreasonable technical evaluation. Number two, flawed discussions. Number three, unreasonable cost or price evaluation. And number four, unequal treatment. This year's report marked the first time that flawed discussions was included in the list. In addition, flawed technical evaluations and flawed cost price evaluations continue to represent some of the most consistently successful grounds for sustain. GAO also noted that a significant number of protests don't reach a decision on the merits because agencies voluntarily take corrective action. Those agencies do not report the reasons for taking the corrective action, and thus the report does not reflect those decisions. Yuan, back to you. Thanks, Peter. Two quick updates on new guidance from the government. First, on November 16th, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency released its Federal Government Cybersecurity Incident and Vulnerability Response Playbooks to provide civilian agencies with a standard set of procedures to respond to vulnerabilities and incidents that impact their networks. The playbooks contain checklists for incident response, incident response preparation, and vulnerability response that can be used to track preparation, response, and remediation actions to completion. Now, the playbooks are intended to strengthen cybersecurity response practices and operational procedures for the government, as well as private sector entities. And the agency has strongly encouraged private sector partners to review the playbooks to improve their own vulnerability and incident response practices. Now, second, on November 15th, the Defense Innovation Unit released its Responsible AI Guidelines to help contractors and federal officials gauge whether AI technology and programs align with the DOD's ethical principles for AI. Specifically, the guidelines provide a process for all stakeholders involved in AI development, so program managers, commercial vendors, government partners, to achieve three goals. First, to ensure that the DOD's ethical principles for AI are integrated into all three phases of the technical life cycle. So that's planning, development, and deployment. Second, to effectively examine, test, and validate that all programs and prototypes align with the DOD's ethical principles for AI. And third, to leverage a process that is reliable, replicable, and scalable across a variety of programs. Now, the step-by-step -step process, which is presented as worksheets in the guidelines, they instruct and guide stakeholders on how to properly scope AI problem statements. They also provide detailed guidance for stakeholders who are in the planning, development, and deployment phases of AI systems, such as procedures for identifying who might use the technology, who might be harmed by it, what those harms might be, and how they might be avoided, both before the system is built and once it's deployed. Peter, back to you. Great. We'll wrap it up for this edition. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807, and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thanks for joining. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mooring LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast. podcast.